So uh, this gentleman on my right, he is a native uh, son of the Rio Grande Valley of uh, South Texas. He's uh, the son of an immigrant mother who has and is a fifth generation Te'ano, Te'ano, <laughs> uh, father, uh, a transplant to uh, Tucson, Arizona and the Sonoran Desert. Uh, he has spent two decades in the old Pueblo. He is the official spokesman for the K-20 Changemaker Com Campus, the CEO uh, for the Institute for Transformative Education and the lead consultant for ZenCons, uh, Transformal Consulting. For the past 20 years, he has directed his energies uh, to the uh, to the support of development and transformation of people, places, and institutions. His expertise has led him to train individuals, groups, and organizations wanting to develop their innovative mindset and increase their reach and maximize their impact. And he lives with his wife, 15-year-old son, and 11-year-old twin sons in Tucson. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce Luis Perales. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Okay. All right. So that's all my talking here. So to uh, kick off the show, uh, based on the today's on on the topic here, that uh, of uh, technology in in the classroom, uh, the usnews.com uh, website. That's uh, a not a very unfortunately it's not a very uh, it's a very believable report. Uh, but Arizona is uh, ranked number forty out of fifty states when it comes to educational rankings by state. So um, what, what, uh, let me just put this out there. What, what do we think about that? Is that, how do we, how we feel about that, gentlemen? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we, when we look at these rankings, um, I think what's important to consider is, is kind of what, what they're actually talking about. So um, Newsweek is really looking at um, college readiness, things of that nature. If, we, if we're looking at per pupil expenditure, uh, Arizona actually ranks lower. So um, how much the state actually allocates per student to be educated over the course of, uh, of a school year in the course of their trajectory through um, primary, secondary ed, um, we're actually closer to the bottom. We're, we're, we, we teeter between 49th and 50th when it comes to per pupil expenditure. So um, it's, uh, it's disheartening to see, and we're seeing the results of that, right? The, the lack of... of uh, of investment then leads to your the Newsweek um, report um, ranking us at 40th out of 50 states, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's that's it's unfortunate uh, reality that we feel, but I think uh, those of us in education see that as our challenge, right? That is our our uh, our call to duty, so to speak. We we're running into that um, that building that's on fire instead of running in the opposite direction, right? So uh, uh, now, just to switch over just for a moment to uh, Luis, you were, um, uh, you had mentioned that uh, your your IT, you, you guys are doing uh, similar things or uh, things as far as technology that your school is using currently, and maybe what what future? Yeah, most definitely. So um, our our site here, our K twenty campus, was opened in twenty twelve, and uh, a partnership came together between three institutions: uh, Michigan Academy, which has twenty five years experience in in Nogales, um, Arizona, uh, Prescott College has 50 years of experience, and then um, Changemaker High School, which was the newer school that was started in 2012. Um, we house all three entities coming together, mm -hmm. and I think what we've really looked at when, when um, Changemaker High School first launched, um, it was looking at um, iPad technologies and, and MacBooks and, um, 
and really kind of going in that high-end direction. Mm -hmm. uh, what we discovered very quickly is that technology is becoming outdated in a period of, of two years, sometimes even uh, sooner than that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So um, these large investments in, um, in tech um, are no small feat for uh, institutions of, of learning um, mm -hmm. from you know, primary, secondary, or higher ed. And so um, it's really about keeping up with the understanding of what, what's the intent behind this technology. One of the things that we discovered very quickly was that we need to map towards where students are headed. Mm -hmm. So we looked at, um, at higher ed and we said, well, what are, the, what are students being asked to do in that higher ed space mm -hmm. that we need to pull down all the way to kindergarten mm -hmm. uh, so that youngsters who are coming in are already um, used to that process and, and we're shifting mm -hmm. as the landscape shifts mm -hmm. in front of us, right? So initially it was about being cutting edge it was about um, having the best tech, one-to-one uh, mm -hmm. -one computing environments, pretty much everything that everyone who's in the ed space talks about. Mm -hmm. What we very quickly turned to was, what are we mapping towards? And what's the intent behind um, you know, anything that we purchase or, or any um, training that we receive? And very quickly, it turned into, what are the priorities of the community? Mm -hmm. And what is appropriate technology, mm -hmm. not just technology. So once upon a time, for example, in our community, um, you know, corn, was a high-end technology from corn. a corn, from, from a blade of grass <laughs> yes. to now something that feeds the world, yes. right? Mm -hmm. That's 7,000 years of a technology mm -hmm. evolving. So the community has this experience with technology and understands that that evolution is going to happen. And we use that frame to actually engage youngsters and then to engage what our current reality is instead of constantly kind of saying, oh, we need to get that latest fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Or we need that um, that latest, you know, uh, interactive board or whatever mm -hmm. it is for teachers, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Because it's shiny, because mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, so it's, it's, newer. it's it's newer, it's cutting edge. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, we can run plays just like the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it, it, it turns into more of a, what are the real needs and what's the trajectory? And so that's what we've really done. So, um, for example, when we're looking at Prescott College, they have field stations in Kenya. Mm -hmm. They have field stations in Kino Bay. They have field stations uh, on the Pacific Northwest. And so students from all across the country are then engaging with each other and with uh, their comrades um, overseas in some instances. Mm. So we're saying we need to train our young people to be able to engage that way. So really, technology for us is about connectivity mm. rather than just understanding a new platform or, or learning a new software. Now, now you, you mentioned something very good, and I think it's a, it's a wonderful strategy, and that is uh, since technology is always advancing at a very, very fast rate, that instead of trying to uh, chase after the technology, uh, bring, bring the technology to the, to, to younger, mm -hmm. uh, to the younger grades. So uh, what, now what that, uh, what that could mean is now we're talking about more investment in, in the youngers because as they grow into these they'll, they'll they can pick it up a lot more and they can be better uh, they can be better uh, uh, prepared uh, when when they hit those uh, higher grades so um, uh, how is how, how are you preparing uh, uh, students prior to deploying uh, I'm sorry how are you preparing students prior to deploying new technologies uh, so I think you kind of in answered Yeah, I mean, part of it is what I'm talking about with respect to going back to the community and the cultural underpinnings of how technologies, whatever they may be, have been integrated in the past. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times communities, particularly communities in, in like rural Arizona, where we're talking Nogales, right, who, um, I mean, 
we're going through a state right now where we're talking about the creative age, mm. right? But there's some communities that are still trying to get to the to the technology age, right? The information age. Mm. There's still there's some communities that don't have high speed internet, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. around the world. Yeah. I mean, not just not just, but not too far away from here, right? Mm. You have rural Arizona where youngsters don't have high speed internet. Mm -hmm. Right, the bandwidth isn't capable to have everybody in the school on a device, or, or it's it, it's just not uh, uh, it's just not financially yeah. right. advantageous for some of the communication exactly. companies to even uh, send the line that yeah, way. Yeah, so before we deploy, we have to look at those issues, right? Yeah. We have to have those real critical conversations about well, what does this mean, right? Mm -hmm. And what what are, what is strategically our path forward? Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at what communities have already done. Mm -hmm. They have been innovative already in, in their survival, in their thriving uh, capacities. And so now it's, okay, we're going to introduce a technology. Is it appropriate? Is it the right time? Right? And what has been the, um, the basis, the cultural basis for interacting with something that's new? Mm -hmm. Right? What does that look like? And so we look into the past to be able to look, move into the future. Yeah, the, the flip side to this is, is looking at, um, the amazing things that young people are doing with technology, yeah. right? Yeah. And we can look at it from a deficit, like people don't know how to use computers, they don't know, they don't have access, but there's a lot of folks who do, mm -hmm. you know? And there's amazing, I mean, one of our students who was a certified drone operator, for example, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that was something that we were able to encourage and promote, and I mean, the student was interested in and took off. Um, our young people who are doing, I mean, we had students, you know, traveling and presenting in New York, presenting in San Francisco, right? Um, they were having to submit proposals, having to, you know, we had a, a group of four young ladies who um, submitted a neighborhood reinvestment um, proposal with an, with, uh, with an instructor. And, you know, $219,000 was brought into a community to redo a park and put a pedestrian bridge. I mean, they're using technology, GPS technology. I mean, we, par partnering with folks like um, the Tucson Audubon. Mm -hmm. who comes in with GPS and maps out trees and, and does iBird surveys. I mean, there's so much that can be done that, that I think goes beyond just the, the, the basics of what um, computers can mm -hmm. do. I mean, when we really talk about technology, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, one of our, our, our classes was looking at uh, LiDAR data and LiDAR data to look at urban heat island impact. And so, um, you know, the Pima Association of Governments has, has planes that actually fly over Tucson that use LiDAR data to then map out where every single tree <laughs> is in the city, right? Mm -hmm. And giving that data to young people. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing. Uh, our, our math class, um, when there was the, um, the mining spill up in New Mexico, right, the, the gold mine spill, um, was looking at uh, contaminant rates and looking at data and, and processing that data. I mean, there's so much that can be done because our phones uh, that we have in our pocket, it, that same technology that's in our pocket mm -hmm. was in, a, in the Apollo 1 mission, <laughs> yep. right? I mean, that's, it's like that's where we're mm -hmm. at now, right? Yeah. Like sending rockets up to the moon now, talking about Mars, mm -hmm. you know, and putting that in the hands of young people and saying, what can you do with this, right? Mm -hmm. The amazing things that come from that. Mm -hmm. it, now, of course, there needs to be training. There needs to be um, some guidance in that. But a lot of it is kind of young people are used to this idea of here's this new phone, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Here's this yeah. new gaming system, figure it out. And mm -hmm. it's no different in the ed space when we say we're going to use this with this ethic. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. right, with this purpose, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, we're going to connect. I mean, connecting with Prescott College, where we already offer uh, dual credit courses, and students are taking classes with, um, with professors, and, taking cla- and, and some of our, stu- our instructors are, are professors for Prescott College. That, in and of itself, already changes this dynamic of saying, yeah, this is possible. Right? We're not looking at the lowest common denominator. We're looking at what does social innovation look like and how is technology going to be looked at that. And then when that is then uh, tailored to where high school students are presenting to middle school students and middle school students are presenting to elementary school students, we start to see that what was once upon a time seen as impossible seems very possible now. Exactly. Right? When, yeah. I'm, when I myself am building a studio like this studio in the school and mm-hmm. asking students engage in it, Mm-hmm. Right. Put up your podcast. Do put out your put out your now. The the democratization of technology has allowed for so many more voices to be out in mm-hmm. the forefront. And now it uh, pr- actually provides folks the opportunity to actually listen to young people, mm-hmm. to actually hear them. Right. Uh, when before it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Now they're controlling the culture. Yeah. They're exactly. they're pushing forward what what is going to be done with the technology. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think. Um, I, I really push back hard on this, like, well, there's, there's all of these deficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I've seen is when those folks are given the opportunity, and I think that's, that's the big piece here. Yes, there's a digital divide. Yes, there's all these things. But I think the biggest piece that, I, that we go after is these, this idea of, of, of a gap in opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Let's provide yeah. these things to young fill, people. Fill the gap. Fill that gap of opportunity Absolutely. so that they can go out and do that internship in industry, so they can go out and use technology in these new ways. You, uh, you mentioned uh, gaps in, in, in these things. So uh, we'll, uh, uh, one of those big gaps, I'm sure we could all agree, because there's lots of uh, parents listening. Uh, I don't think kids are really going to listen to this show, but it's a bunch of other You'd be stuff. surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> but parents, um, uh, what, can, what, what are some of the uh, things that uh, parents can do? Uh, today, because we, for a moment we did mention how there are some kids, uh, well, some some parents and families out there that may not be able to afford the the uh, uh, perhaps an internet connection at the house or any technology for them uh, in the home. Okay, there might be a sibling that may have access to a Chromebook or or some sort of cloud software, but they have to be at school in order to, in order to use it. So, what are some some things? With that or others, things that parents can do today to help their kids with uh, advancing technology with their education. For those of us uh, just tuning in, uh, this is uh, Tucson Tech Talk uh, with your host, Aaron Moss. Uh, we're sitting here with uh, James Keel and Luis Perales, uh, both uh, very knowledgeable of the education here in uh, Tucson, uh, broadcasting live uh, from the uh, Stuart Title Building in, uh, uh, on Broadway here in Tucson. So, uh, if we can uh, go on to uh, to, to this uh, to this understanding of uh, what what would be some of the major differences between the needs, say, of like an elementary student versus uh, someone in high school, college bound. What 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 are some? Of, because there might be some parents that have uh, a wide array age wise of, of kids. So, what what were the technology differences? And so, um, for us, um, I think the number one thing to to understand is that. Education for a long time has really sh- like shut down creativity in young people and in people in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the number one thing, right? Um, really changing this mindset 
that for whatever reason, these new things are wrong, or that these new ways of doing things are going to change some, like nothing is sacred in, in the ed space, in my, in, in my opinion. Like it, it should all be up to adjust to the realities of what's going on in society. And so when we're talking about working with little ones, it's about you know, really presenting things in a creative manner and allowing them to be creative mm -hmm. with that technology. Right? I mean, you can now go into a virtual uh, reality space and put up an art studio. You can put up your art and have people walk through your art studio Virtual virtually. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and people are saying, well, that's going to do, that's, that's horrible because we actually need real art. I was like, well, <laughs> who says that that's not real? Mm -hmm. Right? How, how are you? Well, that's not, same thing with, um, you know, the, the craze that, you know, every bookstore and every library was going to close down because now we have, you know, digital readers and you mm -hmm. can read books online or have audio books. Mm -hmm. Oh, that didn't happen. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's these fears, I think, that we first need to get over. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, number one. And, and number two, that creativity space needs to be opened wider. Mm -hmm. for our youngsters. And with young people, I mean, if you ask a group of kindergartners and you say, who in here can sing? They'll all raise their hand. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, who can dance? And they all raise their hand. You say, who can draw? They all raise their hand, mm -hmm. right? You do the same thing by high school, mm -hmm. hands stop going up. Mm -hmm. So something happened, right? Mm -hmm. Something happened in that socialization space. It's no different with technology, right? When the difference is that people are being told what they should do with technology by when. So mm -hmm. as a young person, as a, as, as, you know, when you're young and you have all this creative uh, thought process, what they call theta, right? Where you're kind of almost hypnotized to learn all of the rules of society and everything, right? You're operating at theta, you're in hypnosis, you're actually extremely creative. Mm -hmm. You know, a broom can become a pony, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah. we should ha actually have that at the forefront when we're engaging in, in this discussion of technology, right? Mm -hmm. This, this device right here can open up the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it goes beyond the fears of what adults have put forth, right? So um, now here's some practical things. That's the creative side. Some practical things that we've seen um, is also finding out where are our youngsters at? Where are they at with their, with their academic capacity or ability? Where are their strengths, right? R right now, the ed space really looks at um, logical and analytical thinking. That's pretty much, if you got that down, then you're an A student and you're good, right? And, and, and research has shown very clearly, right, uh, you know, multiple intelligences, gardeners work, all these scholars that have written on and on, you know, about this. Like, that's not it. Like, there's, there's all these different intelligences mm -hmm. that exist. So okay. really to use um, tech to find out what is the passion of this young person? Mm -hmm. What is the capacity of this? And traditionally, this was done by people who read the stars, a baby was born in all these different traditions, right? Sure. We go back in time. Again, technology, yeah. right? People were looking at the stars. That was their technology. They were like, okay, we're going to try to understand this. And they would make predictions. They would say, this child is amazing at this. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the energies were put into that child to make that child amazing in that thing. Right. Because somebody who read the stars or tea leaves or whatever the case may be <laughs> did that. Well, now we have technology that it can actually tell us. Right. Well, What are well, the strengths? Absolutely. They, they, they use uh, all, all kinds of... Uh, 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 formulas and uh, Google has uh, it's, it's, Google can sometimes almost read your mind but you know you, you type in two letters and says aha yep. you're, you're thinking of this you know and uh, so 
that's exactly what exactly I was thinking. right. But it's it's not uh, it, it's not that it's it's using any type of wizardry like like you were suggesting. But it, but that's how far technology is. It mm-hmm. looks at what you've looked at in the past, what your interests are. Okay, you're this type of person. So if you type in SA, you must be thinking of this. Yeah. Co- okay, and it, and it gives you that. Yeah, yeah. Co- the coders of today are the, are the are today's wizards, <laughs> right? Really, <laughs> if right? You think about it. If you think about it in that way again, how we think of technology now, it isn't like looking at bile and looking at like the Greeks were looking at all these different things. The f- these four elements of the earth that represented parts of the body. Like now we're like, okay, there's an algorithm, absolutely, that can tell us who's in front of us, mm-hmm. what is their strength, what's their capacity, and what do we feed, mm-hmm. what do we nurture. Right? Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at little ones, it's a creative space. When we're looking at high school students, we're saying, where's your trajectory? Mm-hmm. Right? Where are you going to move into? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we'll have folks that will um, move into that higher ed space and go into areas of study that they don't like. Mm-hmm. That they graduate. I mean, I've been in the ed field 20 years now, and there's plenty of educators that say, man, you chose the wrong major. Like, you should, have choos- you should have chosen a different major, but you had a lot of units mm-hmm. in this one, so you finished off with that degree, mm-hmm. right? Versus really finding out, using technology to find out, this is your trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, this young lady, this young gentleman, whoever they may be, can really, like, move this sector forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I had uh, one student, for example, who came into us who would tell you everything about, you know, clock pieces, watches. Mm-hmm. Now he's connecting technology with forest management, Right? Forest management. Forest management, right? Who would have thought, right? He came in <laughs> talking about timepieces and everything about timepieces, and now he's saying, I'm going to connect technology with how to care for forests. How about that? Whoa, right? Yeah. And, and if we wouldn't have nurtured that piece yep. and said, you know what, that's crazy, timepieces are like outdated, et cetera, right. we wouldn't so, have been able to have so, that. Uh, so, so the nurturing part uh, for, for the young ones, we want to uh, nurture their uh, their their scope of their imagination at a very young age. Not being, not being limited by the technology, but letting the technology be their access to uh, what they want, what they can do in their future, and make sure that it's kept alive all the way through to uh, you know, high school age. Other listeners to, uh, to this program uh, might also be uh, perhaps other schools, other administrators such as you gentlemen, uh, to their respective schools, even people in the county or others around the, uh, around the uh, country, that uh, what, what are some advancements uh, or what are some other things that other schools can do uh, to make the computer experience and future success of, uh, of, uh, of students better overall? But not, yeah. not, not, just, not just your schools, but overall. I think um, schools need to be exemplars, right? It, it, it has to be that um, we're not asking our students to do anything that not, we're not willing to do ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I originally, again, coming from South Texas, um, it's one of the poorest zip codes in the country, right? And so, um, you know, didn't get access to a computer until uh, senior year of high school and then into college. Mm. Um, and I put it on myself to know, to learn, right? And to, so I'm doing it myself. I'm asking students to do um, podcasts. I'm doing podcasts. I'm asking mm-hmm. students to, hey, you can be an influencer online. I am an influencer online, right? Uh, I'm asking students to, uh, you know, put um, poster presentations together. I'm doing that, right? So we have to be the exemplar because students will do, will follow what we do, not what necessarily what we say, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, if if they know that we're not willing to do it ourselves or we're afraid of that, 
then they won't step into that arena. Mm -hmm. We have to be as uncomfortable as we want them to be. Right? And I think, same thing with parents. I mean, going back to this discussion, I'm like, what we're talking about is already happening. A, a parent will get a new smartphone because their outdated Nokia doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they do is they go to their, their teenage kid and they say, help me figure this out. Yeah, program it. Program it for me and, 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 sh and, t and teach me, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what my dad's doing. By right? the way, that, that's one of the main reasons why people get locked out of their phones because they had their kids set it up mm -hmm. and they don't know the, the, password. the password and all that. <laughs> and so, sometimes, it, oh, that, that was, mom, that was two years ago. Yeah, I don't remember. Before. Exactly. You know? So I think we, uh, you know, educators need to be willing to step into that uncomfortable space and say, I don't know this, but I'm going to learn right next to you. We're going to learn it together. We're going to learn this together. So, you know, I had lessons where I was teaching students of all the different socioeconomic backgrounds, right? I was teaching them, look, the, these are the different platforms, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, that you can use to your benefit rather than just for entertainment, right? Th like, this is an attention-getting device, right, this tech. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's commerce going on in here. Billions of dollars, trillions of dollars that are being exchanged on a daily basis on these devices, right? So it's like, okay, let me show you how this works. Mm -hmm. Let me show you the behind the scenes of this mm -hmm. and let me show you how I'm doing it, mm -hmm. right? I'm using these apps. I mean, I use the Adobe uh, Creative Cloud, right? Sure. I use, you know, uh, I put up Spark pages as my presentation pages now. I don't do PowerPoint. Like, here's the, here's the link to the website, basically, yeah. right? And it's blowing people out of the water, like, whoa. And I'm saying, you should do this too. Mm -hmm. And I just did it here, so I'm going to show you how, right. right? Now it gives me worth as an educator. Because, the, again, the big question becomes, what's the worth of an educator if I can just Google it? Right. Right? So right. we have to be willing to step into that space, become those folks who are engaging in this technological revolution mm -hmm. so that we can then pass this information on to those youngsters and vice versa. You know, I've had some students say, hey, have you seen this app? You know, have you, have you utilized this? You know, there's, you know, Top Hat. Have you used Top Hat? Do you know what Top Hat is? No, no. Uh, have you used it? Right? And yeah. where there's this exchange happening that mm -hmm. never would have happened before where it actually puts the educator and the student at, at an equal level. Wow. Right? And I think educators should not be afraid of that. And I think too many of us are. Now, um, you, when I was a kid, okay, uh, I, it was this very, uh, it w I grew up in a huge community in Co-op City in the Bronx, New York area. So uh, at the, in the basement of our 24-story building uh, was the laundromat. There was also a pile where people would throw out their large rubbish, pieces of rubbish. And I would have to walk by there and I would have to throw things out there and I would have to do my laundry for the family and and every so often I would have to walk by this in this hallway where people would put, and sometimes there would be TVs and radios there. Okay. My, you know, my mom had her reservations about me picking stuff out, out of the garbage. I would take it home, take it apart. And I would, and I, and sometimes it would be fixing. Sometimes there would be like, like a little wire loose in there and I'd get it running and mm -hmm. I'd have a stereo or I'd have a TV. Um, yeah, I mean, let me just commend the young Aaron Moss <laughs> for, for doing what you did, mm -hmm. right? For that, it, that led to, you know, the, the computer doctor of Tucson. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. this, this just initial kind of, again, creative inquiry that what we were talking about before, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, that's it. That's what we're looking at. I mean, it, it, it's really pushing back hard on this idea of, well, we can't. It's like there's, there's, like there's the smallest thing could flick the switch for a young person is what we've seen. And it's about 
showing that that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. as, as distant as it may be. I imagine the young Aaron Moss was thinking about, you know, uh, to be a computer doctor, I don't know. I'm just picking up this radio right now, right? But <laughs> that's exactly. But years later, you're like, yeah, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. So I think that is a perfect example of the opportunities that exist, right? There's all sorts of different things. I mean, we have to remember, even the poorest folks in the United States are rich compared to folks in other parts of the world, mm -hmm. and have access to things that other folks in other parts of the world do not have. It's like we're blessed to have that opportunity. I, I consider myself blessed, right? Like I have family members mm -hmm. that had a very different, you know, life because of that lack of opportunity and connection. It's like, no, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to access that. I'm going to learn. That. I'm going to teach myself. Like you're saying, YouTube. I'm going to, I'm going to YouTube that, right? Absolutely. And then being inspired by other folks. I mean, there's stories of, you know, three teenage young ladies in Africa who created a generator for their, you know, mm. their village, and you know the the orchestra. Those are amazing stories. Yeah, the orchestra that in Brazil, in the favelas of Brazil, out of you know junk. Yeah. Right. That was created out of junk, or you know, the island that is made out of water bottles, and, and somebody puts. There's a young man in uh, in in Africa. Probably about eight years old, he created his own caterpillar machine, excavator. This it was it was a remote controlled model, but he there he was just operating it with uh, with with pieces of garbage. Yep, junk that, that was in his village. And that's what I'm talking about. Like I think that needs to be the ethic that we embody, yeah. right? Because yes, there's adversity. I will never say. I mean, I've I've experienced it myself um, firsthand, and over the 20 years of of helping young people and families, I've seen it. But at the end, it's this idea of like, that's still not an excuse. I'm sorry. Mm. There's still work that can be done. There's still opportunities that exist. Let's go after it. It may be hard. It may be uncomfortable. It may be um, uncharted territory for you. Or you may be the first person to ever fill in the blank mm -hmm. in your family, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Mm. But it's like, we have to embody that. Right? So a lot of it goes back to when we're talking about technologies. The oldest technology we have is storytelling. Telling stories. <laughs> right? Communication. Yeah. That was the, that's the essence. We're still doing it right now. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. This is the modern version mm -hmm. of something that was done thousands of years ago. Right? Yeah. And it's like we need to tell these stories of these amazing things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And we need to then remember there's another young Aaron Moss out there. <laughs> And Absolutely. this Aaron Moss yeah. can now do something for that Aaron, Mo that next Aaron Moss that's yeah. coming. Absolutely. Or 10 or 100 or whatever, right? right? Like you're saying, you're raising money for, for, for educational programming and things that you do aside from your business. I mean, I commend that yeah. to, to now the, you know, the computer doctor, right? Yes, and it's like, I think we all have to embody that ethic when we're talking about technology and what the future may hold. It's like, let's find those stories and let's put it together. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap up real quick. Uh, quick plug for our guest today, uh, Luis uh, Perales. Uh, he can be uh, reached at k20tucson.org. So uh, we want to thank our guest for uh, uh, being here today. This has been Tucson Tech Talk, broadcasting live uh, in Tucson, Arizona, from the Stewart Title Building. Uh, we uh, wish you a good time. Until then, see you next time.